this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Hello and welcome to the Jay Allen Show. We are broadcasting live from the Safety FM studios in Orlando, Florida. Thank you for coming back and hanging out with us and seeing exactly what we have going on on this side of the planet. Anyways, I hope all is well in your neck of the woods. Well, as you have seen over the last week, a lot of craziness going on here at Safety FM. A lot of new shows have been signed. We discussed that on the Safety FM mini episode on Friday. So if you did take a listen, you'll hear of all the new shows that are coming this direction. Also, we have announced as of Friday, it was shortly after the Safety FM mini episode came out, that we are now starting safetyfm.uk. More information about that will be available shortly, so be on the lookout there. We'll have some more discussions of exactly what's going on. Well, today is going to be a pretty interesting episode. Today, we have the CEO and founder of Yellowbird. What is Yellowbird, you might be asking? They're a match environmental health and safety professional company. So, opposed to me giving you some giant spill at the very beginning of the episode, how about we just do this? Let's get into the conversation that I had today with Michael Zale here on The Jay Allen Show. So I have to ask starting off because you did not get to the world of safety during the normal standard process that most people get to. So what drove you to this sector? Um, that's a great question. The honest answer is, is I have been in other areas of technology my whole life and it felt cold and it felt less impactful than this particular area. And so as I was in tech and serving the higher risk environments, I realized, I guess it felt, felt good. It, it felt right for me to um, dedicate my my technology background to EHS, just because I really am a, I try to be a, a, a conscious capitalist, as they call it, or somebody who actually tries <laughs> to make, make, make the world a better place through what I do. Well, I mean, this is going to be realistic. A lot of people do not find the world of safety to be, uh, well, let's see, a beautiful one to entertain or even to go into. So <laughs> as you started, as you started taking a look into it, what was it that kind of drove you that said, okay, this makes sense from what you were doing to going into this. I mean, there had to be a trigger effect that said, this makes sense because of X. Yeah, great question. The The, the honest answer is, is that I don't know if there was a moment other than I know that most safety operations, EHS operations, are underfunded and understaffed, and but yet they still hold all the responsibility and obligations of the insurance carriers of their senior management of their leadership. And so it's a high pressure environment. And so my, my first thought was if I could help change the way it's done, make it more efficient and, and candidly uh, maybe take some of the stress off of the HS world, because I do understand it well, uh, maybe it would become a more fun place to be because there's a lot of times that this is not a fun role to be in. <laughs> well, that's 100% true in regards that it's not fun all the time. It can be fun, but sure. you have to be able, be able to handle a lot of pressure at the same time, too. But besides that you're doing this, and let's kind of make sure that I, that I talk about it, because we're going to get into a little bit more about Yellowbird and how it all went down. 
but you're not only doing this, you are in multiple positions across multiple companies. So <laughs> what's the secret? Do you have extra time? Is there an extra hour you get a day that most people don't get? I mean, you have to tell us what's going on. Are you not sleeping? I mean, what's happening here? You know what? That's a, I've always been this person. I, I run really quickly and I like to get involved in different things. Uh, my, my co-founder here, uh, we follow a, a, her name's Michelle Tinsley. She's a, an Intel executive, a former Intel executive. Uh, she always says that um, I am uh, maybe not quite as deep into things, so I switch channels really, really quickly. Um, and Is this something, are you sure you want to admit this on the air? I mean, other people are going to hear this. I just want to be sure here. Oh, uh, you, have to, <laughs> you have to understand you're who, who you are. <laughs> you know, I can have, I can go deep if I have to, but at the end of the day, and I'm good at it. I mean, I'm actually pretty good in a spreadsheet and I can, I can read a balance sheet and I can talk to the board and run board meetings and all that stuff. But my energy gets really uh, sparked when I can, uh, I do sprints, not marathons when it comes to business. And so as long as I'm, I'm using my, my superpowers towards, towards um, solving the individual issues within each of the companies as they occur or, and not necessarily as they occur, but uh, when, when most dire or most hot or most pressing, then I'm able to do it. But the honest answer is, is that I do let some fires burn. I, I truly do. I, um, I, I prioritize. And that's the easiest way of saying it. So this, these other businesses that you're in, if you don't mind me asking, of course, are they tied into some of the, the stuff related to safety as well? Or are they other ventures that have absolutely nothing to do with safety or how do they actually look? Uh, they are, um, one is a satellite communications company and um, very much focused on high risk environments. So we serve the oil and gas uh, the construction, the mining, pretty much off-grid, if you think of it from that perspective, and emergency management, so FEMA, um, state and local government, things like that. So it's all kind of human and health-related anyhow, So which is how I got – I've been doing that for 20 years. It's, it's a very good business. It's, a, um, it's an energizing business, and it is highly technical, so I enjoy that. And, yeah, so it is somewhat related. The other – core business that my wife actually owns, uh, technically, um, and she actually does own it. She's running it and I'm very, I'm not involved with it is, uh, you better clear up that technically then yeah, for sure. Well, it's, and she gives me, she gives me grief about this because the name of the company is MBZ industrial, which are my initials, Michael Brandon. <laughs> and because I created it as a holding company a long time ago for various side projects and we licensed a technology. It's a sandless sandbag technology for floods. And it was one of these things that I just knew that we could take it to market. And um, she actually owns 51% of the company. And so from a, go from a government perspective, that's meaningful. A uh, woman-owned, small business, that kind of stuff. So it's my name and her, her company. So I work for her on that, um, <laughs> on that business. <laughs> um, but yeah, that... Again, environmental health and safety, uh, floods and spill response are the areas of that business. And so I've been in this, in these circles for yeah, over 20 years, um, dealing in, in seeing the issues of EHS. And that's kind of what has brought me into founding Yellowbird. 
So when you decide to found Yellowbird, what pain points are you seeing in the marketplace that you go, okay, this makes sense. Now, to backtrack a little bit, explain to people what Yellowbird is, because that's going to be part of the question, of course, and then explain the pain points that you said, okay, this is a need inside of the market. Yeah, and that's a, you know, I, I answer this question a lot. You know, we've raised capital and we're growing the business and all that kind of stuff. So that's, you're asking a very venture capital kind of a question. You know, what is the pain you're solving? But um, it's a it's the most important question. You know, they call it product market fit, right? What what are you doing to solve a gap in the marketplace? And for us, what we're doing is we're making experts accessible to groups that may or may not have the budget or ability to fulfill those expert needs. And so from an EHS perspective, and since this is a, a, a you know a safety program or related in, in in safety, I don't have to go into all the various certificates and so forth. But if you're like a HAZWOPER or you're a CIH, um, that's a very different thing than a generalized um, CSP or an ASP or a general safety person. And so a lot of organizations are run as they should be by generalists, yet they still need specialists for their various um, efforts. And so I'll give you an example of a construction company where, you know, you have a general safety team and they oversee construction sites all across the country or all across town or multiple sites. And then you have a traveling generalist or a traveling specialist in, in construction that goes from site to site. And when they're not there, they're empowering the, or knighting or whatever you want to call it. They're, um, their general contractor foreman. And so what I envision in that scenario is saying we have a project and we know the high risk parts of that project are at, you know, turn up and turn down or when we have heavy equipment coming in and out. And I'd like to have a safety professional on that site at those times. And then go on Yellowbird and they can say, I've got an opportunity. I've got a need for somebody who's familiar with heavy equipment safety on, I need somebody on Tuesday. Um, I want somebody with 15 years of construction experience and that person arrives, they're there for that project and then they go home and they don't have to keep somebody who's a six figure employee at every single site. They can have specialists that come in. I, I call them sharpshooters versus, uh, versus shotgunners. Uh, we bring in shop sharpshooters and it can be anything from COVID-19, um, you know, return to work where you do safety uh, assessments and, and surface testing to I need a my insurance company said I can't get my underwriting until I have a safety plan written and I don't have a safety person. I'm a small organization and my HR person's my safety person. And so I want to bring on somebody who knows how to write a proper safety plan for me. So those are the various things that you can do through Yellowbird. Now, you referenced in particular qualifications that the person has to have. Yes. Now, how do you go about, number one, verifying the, the qualifications and how do you vet? Well, how do you vet the people? Let's just go with that angle. Yeah. No, uh, again, I keep saying great question because yeah, I love talking to people who actually understand the, the, the issues. You know, we have to be better. And that's what I can. That's my mantra is we have to be better than going to a staffing agency or a temporary agency or going on to a. Uh, a job board aggregator. And so we have a four-step process. Uh, the first process is obviously on the platform, people filling out their background, and then they check what certs they have in their industry and anything that makes them special and unique. Um, and that includes geography, and that includes uh, industries of, of interest beyond what they've already done, like 
say somebody is in a motocross and they say, I want to, I want to, um, I am very familiar with safety in motocross and I would like to be, uh, on site at a motocross event. That's, you know, it's a unique app, but it, it would work for <laughs> Yellowbird. So that's the first step. Then they upload all their certs and we validate them. Um, and then we do a background check and then we do an interview and then they are match ready. Um, that process takes uh, generally between a week to two weeks. We're trying to get it faster. We're trying to um, trying to make it as painless as it can possibly be while making sure that we've checked for not just the uh, checking the box, but also some of the soft skills. And for us, I think that's the area of biggest concern. You can validate certs. You can validate education. You can validate people's backgrounds. Do they have a felony? Are they, um, and you know, I mean, people have lives that they've lived. So just because you have something in your background does not necessarily mean you will be disqualified. We, we do an analysis and we use a third party to help us assess that of, you know, if somebody happened to have a DUI when they were 18 years old and they're 47 now, and they've had a perfect record, they're perfectly capable of being a uh, a safety professional on our platform, as an example, just means they had a crappy lawyer. Let's be realistic. <laughs> could, absolutely, <laughs> but you know, um, but if you are, you know, uh, um, something really bad, and I won't go into the detail, but it's something really bad, and it was recent, and and um, we may just say, I'm sorry, but based on the background and so forth, and our um, and our qualifications, you you don't fit to be a Yellowbird professional right now. We wish you well. Um, now, will you will you give them a period of time where you tell them they can come back at X to, after X amount of time, or is that even not even part of the of the conversation? It depends on what it is. Um, we've had people okay. we've had people that we we wish them well, and we do wish them well, but we, we they're not going to be on our platform for various reasons. Um, and candidly, some of those reasons can be um, can be soft skill reasons. We've had people- now you did now you did say something though that kind of I I looked at the sequence and I said that's kind of different than most do. You said that you verify certs, then you do the background check, and then you do the interview. <laughs> Why do you do it in that format opposed to interview certs background or backgrounds then certs? Because you already have an initial expense as the person's reaching out to you yeah. without you even knowing how they're going to be able to interact when they get to a to a organization. We do. A, we've changed that quite a bit, um, and it's not hard and fast right now. So there okay. are. Um, we do have a preliminary introductory call right now. That's the very first thing that we do. However, the full-on interview and background check um, is a little later in the process, and and the reason for that is there is a trepidation with how we're changing the marketplace that we want people to feel comfortable with what they're doing. And make sure that they know that we're not some fly-by-night organization or a scam. And we're not, you know, a staffing agency in wolf's clothes. (laughs) Because a lot of people think we are a staffing agency, which we are absolutely not. Now, I have to ask the question because this is going to be one of those weird things that I'm not sure on what you've heard or if this question has come up before. I'm sure it probably has. But you're saying that they have to have certifications. Now, some of the best safety people that I have met, some of them don't even have certs. They have experience. Why the certification angle? You know, it's, a, it's an interesting statement. And the reality is, is that you can get on our platform without having certs. However, we do look, you know, you have to have some parameters. Um, hold on one second, okay? Real quickly. Okay. I apologize. 
Hopefully you'll be able to edit this. <clears throat> I need to get some water. <laughs> Sorry about that. <clears throat> I just texted my son and said, go run and get me some water. Um, those who are unprepared suffer. Um, so yeah, the best people in the world um, that, that of any trade or, or background may or may not have certs. However, education and way of setting a baseline and guideline is very, very important. Thank you, Nick. And we're trying to figure out a way. You bring up a really valid point and a really interesting point because, and I'd be interested in having this discussion, maybe not on the, on the air, but... Why? If it's not on the air, it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna, then we, maybe we will have this discussion because if you are looking for somebody in a professional environment, um, there... And, and it's one of those philosophical questions that I've always had about safety in general, that if you're looking for a attorney, an accountant, a lawyer, uh, you know, an attorney, um, a medical professional, even a nurse or somebody in the medical field, they all have various certifications and have had to go through their educational process. And I know a lot of people question this, but the reality is, is that if you can read rules and regs and kind of set guidelines and performance objectives around um, environmental health and safety, and environmental is a big part of this play, big part of this industry. Um, how, if you don't request certs, do you make sure that you actually are getting a professional? Is that the question for me? Because here's the fun part. Yeah. What I look what I look at is there's a couple of different things because I can go into an organization and I'm just going to speak about some of the things that I've been able to do where I can actually take a look around and maybe be at the work site and work there and have somebody who has tons of experience but does not have certifications. Does that make them the best person in the world? Debatable in regards on how you want to take a look at it. But I can also get somebody who's brand new that has just acquired, we'll just say some letters opposed to me kind of going after an organization sure, but has letter, letters behind their name mm -hmm. and they might not have the same understanding as this person who's been there for a while based on them having an understanding of the system does that make them better than the person that's already been there and established absolutely that would be absolutely that, not absolutely not and you bring up and that is the philosophical question that we are constantly asking ourselves um, because this is not um, you've asked a really important question and, an, and a valid question uh, sorry, I have a tickle in my throat and it is making this interview it, it, This normally happens when I put pressure on people, so it's good. <laughs> At least it's working. So one of the challenges that we have is on a platform where you are ingesting people through an application and trying to make sure that they are capable and qualified, how do you do that without having that experience that you're speaking of? Um, there's no question. I mean, you take, you take my grandfather who, um, if he didn't graduate high school or if he did graduate high school, he barely did. And he never went to um, college, but he was a very successful business person. And you take somebody with an MBA coming out of Harvard and I would put my grandfather against that guy any day of the week to run a business successfully and grow. However, on an interview, there's no doubt that that Harvard MBA is going to get the interview before my grandfather would. And the question is, is that if you were trying to figure out how to create a mentorship for young entrepreneurs to say, um, 
you've got Mike's grandfather and you've got Mr. MBA over here with three years of experience post-college. Which one do you pair up this young entrepreneur with? Nine out of 10 and probably 10 out of 10 would get the MBA to place them with that person. And the reality is that my grandfather probably would give them better practical advice. So that is the type of thing that we think about of what are the AI and other matching things that we're building into the tech that we can pull out to make it a better match. And that is actually what my chief product officer is focused on, on the technology side. Because what we're doing is relatively easy, but it's also relatively common in a traditional, you know, staffing agency model or even temporary agency model. What we're trying to do is uh, look at years of experience, the industry that they're in, the geography that they're in, and from that create some kind of a ranking system that is better to match them with an opportunity rather than just, okay, you know, you've got this cert, you've got these, you know, alphabet soup after your name and you went to this great college and you're in this geography. And so we match you. That's the challenge that I'm having. And the only reason that I bring this up is because we see some weird scenarios out there and let's kind of take out of the portion of people coming to you. I'm just going to talk about this in general, sure. where you might see an ad that's being ran for somebody, for a company that's looking for somebody who has a CSP, a master's degree, and they're starting to pay them out at $18 an hour. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm, and I mean, and you chuckle and it's okay, but that is, that's reality of what's out there. And there's no way that a master's degree in a CSP should qualify you for $18 an hour. Absolutely. And that shows the lack of sophistication of the hiring manager. That is not a, re that is not a reflection on the person and that is not a reflection on, in fact, what they should be getting is feedback from the marketplace saying you're out of your mind. Um, and that's the other thing that I like. And I, I, I know I'm not supposed to bring this back to Yellowbird, but that's what I like about Yellowbird is we are able to get a premium rate for premium skills. And the reason I say that, it's not that people are going to pay more, but you don't have to pay somebody $90,000 a year. If you want to have somebody come in and you pay them $3,000 to do the job that you need done at the time you need it done, it's a win-win. And that's, again, it's not an employment engagement, but that does go back to that whole thing of, well, we don't really have the budget for a safety professional. But we need, we know we need to hire them. So I, I guess I'll put it out there at $18 an hour. It's like, you're out of your mind. You're not going to get anybody worth the salt. And if you do, that person realistically is um, probably not the person you want. So let's kind of flip the script a little bit on some of this. So let's talk about how this whole process goes from, let's say, the person that's trying to acquire the safety professional to come in. Sure. So I am a business owner. I need a safety person for X job. How do I contact you and get the information on what needs to be done? So I say, I'm looking for somebody in the transportation business needs to teach some drivers, um, best, best practices and driving techniques. <laughs> what can you find me? That's awesome. That's By the way, I love that scenario. It's not one that I've used very often, but that's a great scenario. Um, so, the, the, the way it happens, and it's really, really easy, which is our whole goal. My whole ambition in life is to make this as simple as humanly possible. Um, why can't we be as easy as an Uber? I know everybody goes, oh, well, Uber, you know, that's a, you know, low dollar, you know, 
churn and burn industry. It doesn't have to be. That technology can be used on sophisticated people. So you go on to goyellowbird.com, just like it sounds, goyellowbird.com, and you sign up and there's a company area and there's a professional area. So it says, do you need people or are you looking to, to do um, gig work, EHS work? So I need people. It asks a few questions. It doesn't have to get super sophisticated. You don't have to say, I need somebody with XYZ certs. You can just say, I am a logistics company. I have training to be done. And by the way, I'm going to give you a great scenario. I have training to be done at 10 different locations, and I need to be able to upload my training materials and have 10 different trainers go out to those sites next week. That sounds about the logistics companies on how that would work. Yeah, yeah you're pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and there's only one way of doing that traditionally. It's either um, have, send it off to the general managers and have them read it, um, of which everybody's hearing this Charlie Brown teacher, want, want, want. Or you get independent consultants that you've gone through and just basically tried through associations and so forth. Or you go to a staffing agency and say, I need temporary staff that understands safety. Um, and they'll give you, okay, we should be able to find somebody in six to eight weeks that for all those locations. And the final way is you, Mr. Safety person responsible who's asking the question, better get in your car and start driving from site to site. And that's the way it's done today, either driving or airplane, neither of which are being done today given COVID, um, which has given us some tailwind as, as a company, which we'll probably also address at some point. So that's the way that it's set up. Um, and then how does the pricing structure work? So you base it off of what they're looking for, or is there a day rate, or how does that come about? I'm not going to ask for specifics on what you're charging, but how does how does that aspect work? Sure. Um, so uh, we do a statement of work. Uh, we validate the statement of work with the client. So they upload what they need and um, it says, well, I have a, you know, we have a 20 page manual. We're going to have three sessions of 20 people in each. And we need somebody to come and do those three sessions over a period of uh, one day. Well, I'll give a real easy example is one or two days. Um, and, you know, we want somebody who's familiar with uh, truck safety and driving procedures, safe safe driving procedures, preferably somebody with XYZ, um, you know, understanding. We'll leave it at that. So then what we do is we go out uh, and we, our system assesses what a going rate for a person like that would be. Um, and it is based on, you know, basically hours, um, could be travel in hours. It could be traveling materials and hours, depending upon what the, the, the need is. But in this case, with, with training, it's basically traveling hours. And then it comes back and we validate with the company that um, is this an acceptable number per location. And if they say yes, we send out essentially an APB. Uh, we send out a text to the people on the platform that qualify and says, we have an opportunity for you um, at X location um, on Wednesday are you available? Yes or no. Do you have any questions? Yes or no. And they say yes. And um, they're available. And yes, I have a question. And we ask what the question is. And we facilitate that. And um, for so that's how it's done at each of the sites, but it's done very quickly. It usually can be done at all the sites. You know, we've done many, many sites um, within days, which is great. Um, again, time is money. And um, distance is money and we're saving all of those. And for that, Yellowbird gets a percentage of the rate. So 
Um, we charge basically X plus. It's a cost plus structure. And where the money is saved for the company is um, time and actual physical hours because in a training environment, traditionally they'll have a minimum. They'll try and put you into a bucket. And um, we're, our rate generally is about 50 to 60% lower than a traditional training consultant. Okay, so then everything that you're saying here is really heavily based on algorithm is how it pulls the information for you to be able to provide an estimate to the customer. Is that correct? It sounds, yes, uh, but it sounds more sophisticated than it is right now. Uh, again, we're a, small, we're a small group. You know, we, we launched in January. We're on about a 600% growth rate right now, which is incredible. Um, and I'm very blessed to say that, especially in the time of a pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. But much of this is being physically done through a team of people and my programming team should be ready to have it completely um, um, through a uh, system, through a process by the end of the year, uh, December. So, the, December so are you saying, so are you saying then essentially it's going to go out to like a bid system similar to what like an Uber and a Lyft would do where it would actually go out and goes, you've been waiting this long and you fall into the qualification. So we're going to offer it to this to you first. You say yay or nay. And if they say no, it goes to the next person. Uh, somewhat. And I, I don't mean to be evasive. So uh, it's a lot easier with an Uber um, because you either, you have a certain size of car and you have distance from the location. That's really their parameters. Um, I, 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 I say this in the investment community and I don't mean disrespectful to be disrespectful, but to be an Uber driver, you need a driver's license and a car and a pulse. And, um, now they do make sure that you meet a lot of other criteria, but the reality is it's a relatively low bar. And that's true with a lot of other, you know, uh, gig economy platforms for us. We don't just look for the amount of time on the, on the platform, um, we don't just look for your certs and background. We we look for the whole person. And so the machine learning algorithm is, um, you know, it, it's a really sophisticated deal. But, it, you know, my chief product officer comes from eBay. Um, and we're, we're very confident that we're going to be able to do this better than anybody else. Right. But you also have to look at it, too, from the standpoint that somebody's going to ask the question of how do I get how do I get first dibs? I mean, there's just no way that people are not going to ask that question be the best for the gig. But what are the qualifications to be the best for the gig? That's what I'm trying to, so it has to qualify you somehow because if you're saying it's not the longest person on the platform, so then it has to be based on something. Yeah, no, I mean, so I'm just trying to have a better understanding of it. No, of course, of course you are. And I, and I respect that. So, um, well, the best for the gig and that, let me, let me define that for you. So we're, so we're clear. Um, yes, we want the oldest, the, the longest people on the platform to be first. If everything is equal, yes, of course we do. But if you have a welding background, if you've worked for a pipe fitter for 20 years and you've recently retired and you have a pipe fitting experience and you've only been on for one week, but you meet all the criteria because you are the best match for my welding safety training and you are a mile from the location, you are the best for the gig. And that comes first. And if I lose people because they've been on the platform for a long time, but they and they haven't had a gig because they weren't the best fit um, yet, it's a shame. But we have to have the best fit first. Okay. So does is there a fee for a person to want to come onto the platform, or it's only a portion of the revenue share? Uh, currently, there is no fee. 
Um, and I say currently, and we have. I was going to say you yeah. did say currently, I so I wanted to throw that out there. No, I did say currently. <laughs> um, there is currently no fee. We're not planning on adding a fee for the near future. If anybody is interested in doing this, it's a good idea to do it sooner rather than later. Um, because as we scale and as we grow, um, we are going to be adding some value add services and add value add things for um, professionals. Uh, one of the things that we do offer is insurance um, for our professionals. We give insurance to every professional that is on the platform. So when you're doing a job for us, you actually get occupational accident coverage. So if you get injured while you're doing a job for, for, for Yellowbird, you actually um, are covered by insurance, which is very nice. Um, and we are looking into a deeper insurance uh, strategy around that. That still keeps us within the law of independent contractors, which I have. What about error and omission? <laughs> error and omission insurance. And yeah, that's the insurance that I was referring to. We are in the middle of having those discussions right now. Currently, we well, and, and, and that's a good. I mean, it's a it's a good question to ask, and let's be realistic yeah. about it. Yeah. If I go into an organization and I'm doing well, we're, well, let's kind of go back for a moment. I go into an organization. I was contracted by Yellowbird, and I'm doing work at location X. If something goes wrong, who's on the hook? Well, it depends on what defining something goes wrong first. Okay, so let's say, for instance, I recommend for you to do this thing, which is entirely wrong. And then we move forward. Who does the client come after? Everybody. <laughs> You've been in the states for way too long. No, um, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and that's and that. Um, but honestly, that is the answer. So, when when an organization, their general liability insurance and their general insurance will do, does cover um, insurance for their subcontractors. However, and that's one of the reasons we are talking to about errors and emissions insurance. The good news is is that we're not typical group who um, does the physical work. We're doing recommendation work. We're doing in, um, intelligence work. And so sure. we're presenting a recommendation. My Our professionals are presenting a recommendation to the company for their assessment and discussion. And so that's an important thing because the person doing the work still has responsibility. Um, that said, if you have somebody who says, who comes on and they tell you to do something completely wrong, um, then there is a, there is an obligation there. There's no question about that. Okay. Just want to make sure that we were clear there, because I know that that's going to actually come up to some of the people that have, or that are hearing this for the first time. Sure. Now, my question to you, are you in all 48 States that are connected or are you on all 50 or how do you have it set up currently? We are in all 50 states and territories. Nope, I'm not going to say territories. All 50 states. I was going to say territories. Uh, really? No, this no, could we be- don't have anything in Guam or Saipan. <laughs> um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you're in all 50 states in some of the territories then? Yes. Yeah, so, so what, mm-hmm. what we, um, we actually, again, we launched in January. We launched in Phoenix, Arizona. The, the goal of the launch was to do a product market fit, figure out the unit economics, make sure that the market saw in this what we see in it. And we had such explosive growth that we actually opened up other markets. And we had to call people and say, we really are Phoenix-based, but if you'd like to be on the platform, that's great. Texas is really hot for us right now. The Dakota, Dakotas are really hot for us right now. We do have somebody in every... every uh, um, state in the union right now. All of that said, 
our marketing is very much targeted at the moment. We're doing some national work like this and, and doing national campaigning and, and uh, program awareness, but we're seeing hotspots with gigs. And the odd thing is it's mostly companies that are based in one location and need gigs in other locations. So they can be all over the place. It's, that's the interesting part of this program. Now, right now, when somebody actually does contact you and say, hey, we need a pro to come in, is there a certain amount of time that they can be locked into a organization for, or is it kind of unlimited depending on the client's needs? Um, it depends on the mutual agreement to that. So the, the model is, is that we, we have no issue at all with a, an organization saying, well, we, you know, uh, John came out here or, or Jane came out here and we really liked the work that she did and she's excellent. And we, when we have a reassessment in 30 days to see how we've been doing based on her recommendations, we would like her to come back out. They can go on Yellowbird, ask for her specifically and great. Um, we have some gigs. We have one that has just gone about seven months um, and it is on, on site and people go, Oh, well, that's a staffing program. It's actually not. We're billing every two weeks, but um, it is a, it's a yellow bird traditional and they've chosen not to hire this person full time. A lot of organizations don't want W2 employees. They want to be able to say, we want a consultant to come out, be on site for the duration of this three weeks, for the duration of this four months, whatever it happens to be. And know that person could be available for us, but should they not be, um, that you have other professionals that would match the criteria. Very interesting on how the whole program works. So if where do you see this going into the future? I mean, what is what do you see is going to end up happening? I mean, of course, I'm asking the crystal ball question because that's normally how this goes. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting question. And it's one that is um, I, I it's we are right now very much focused on EHS. And but what we're doing is professional matching. And as we get better, we've already applied for a couple of patents in our matching algorithm and process. Um, we see the tech being able to be leveraged into other professional um, niche markets. Now, do we want to go long, go after being uh, dentistry or uh, lawyers or doctors? No, I don't see that. Um, you never know. I never say never. But what we do like is being deep into a, a segment that may be underserved. I see EHS as being a very bifurcated industry. It's got segments all over the place. There's a lot of one to two man person uh, consulting firms, and there's a lot of retirees. And that's what I'm passionate about is transitional workers who want to stay in the game and honestly are probably the best at the game. Um, folks who have been doing this for 25, 30 years, and they're like, I want to be on my fishing boat but I wouldn't mind coming out to sites ever, you know, on my terms and doing this work. So to answer your question, um, we're going to grow and we're going to keep offering some value added services along the way, listen to our customers. And I don't know what the end game necessarily looks like. Everybody thinks that uh, we're, you know, we're building this to sell the business. I'm saying that we're building this to create something really wonderful. I'm young. I have a young family. I don't know what I'd be doing if I wasn't doing this and I'm loving it. So that's, that's my barometer personally. So, you know, I'm going to have to ask the very strange question on where did the name come from? <laughs> you know what? It's a great, it's a great question. And I enjoyed the question. Um, 
the original name was horrible. And I, oh, so let's hear it. Let's hear it. What's the original name? <laughs> Zip EHS. Oh, you are absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I made it up and I was sitting in, I was literally sitting in an Uber when I made it up and it was horrible, but. You're not blaming the Uber for this, are you? No, not at all. Although I am giving credit to the Uber driver because um, he was one of the people who inspired me. He was a colonel um, in the in a foreign air force, and he retired, and he was driving Uber. And I was thinking to myself, this guy could be doing, and no, and again, no offense to the Uber drivers of the world, but he could be doing so much more to share his knowledge. And that was one of the things that sparked my sparked my thoughts. And then, of course, I went down the what could I call it kind of an idea. Um, <laughs> and so, some documents still have Zip EHS on them from our from our lawyers. Um, no. Burn them, burn them. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> so Yellowbird, um, we went through a, a branding exercise. Um, and, you know, if you've ever done it with a marketing agency, it's really fun. It's really fun. You know, they ask you those strangest questions. You know, what do you want people to feel when they're using you know, uh, the company? You know, what, do you, what inspires you? You know, what animal do you relate to? You know, you know all these very bizarre questions. And you know, they were trying to use inanimate objects combined with an action or action words combined with a color, all these various things. And yellow being the color of safety and, and caution. And, and um, we thought it, it could work in the yellow um, aspects of it. The bird with soaring and freedom and um, a little homage to the canary in the coal mine. Um, back in the day, our, our very first safety uh, warrior out there. Uh, who lost their lives when there was a uh, uh, lack of oxygen in the coal mines. Um, so that's kind of how it came. And to be really honest with you, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I I was at dinner with my, at the time, my 11-year-old and my 15-year-old or 14-year-old and uh, at the time, and, I, and my wife, and we were talking about all the various names. As soon as I said Yellowbird, all three of them looked at me and they go, that's it. Like, nah, that doesn't work. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> no, I mean, it definitely get, it brings attention. I mean, it, it sticks out. When you see it, you, it definitely sticks out. It's not, there's no doubt what it is the moment you see it. Oh, thank you. And I'm, I'm very proud of it now. And I'm somewhat embarrassed to say that I didn't see it immediately because everybody else apparently did. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm a learning type of a person. I am committing, committed to learning always. And, uh, I'll take my lumps and say I didn't see it at first, but it's it's a great name, and I'm really proud of our brand. It's um, and we represent something that's really great. Well, like I always tell people, it's either blame and punish or learn and improve. So learning and improving <laughs> definitely is a part there. Well, Michael, if people want to know more about you and Yellowbird, where they need to go? Uh, www.goyellowbird.com. All of our various social media outlets are um, you know hashtag Go Yellowbird or uh, at Go Yellowbird. And, um, you know, I, I, I thank you so much for having me on. This has been really fun. I'm sorry that I got choked up early in the conversation. Uh, apparently, when you put the pressure on, I don't know how to <laughs> handle myself. <laughs> well, I appreciate you actually coming on to the show. Thank you so much. This will bring another episode of The Jay Allen Show to an end. Hopefully you enjoyed our conversation here today with Michael Zhao. For more information about Yellowbird, go to goyellowbird.com. Thank you for always being 
the best part of Safety FM, and that is the listener. Safety FM is the home of real safety talk. Don't worry, we'll be back with another episode of The Jay Allen Show before too long. Goodbye for now. Want more of The Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.